How many of you can say, I, I believe that this week God guided me in some way, form, or fashion? God guided you. Amen? Uh, how many of you can say, He guided me, I didn't even know He was doing it. Until I got there and looked behind me and realized that He had brought me where I got. Have you, that happened to you this week? Happens to me a lot. I'm going to talk to you today about God's guidance. Our God is a guiding God. He desires to guide his people. As a matter of fact, he's going to guide us. But we can position ourselves in such a way that his guidance comes through best. The Bible talks about certain conditions that we can meet that assure we're going to be guided by God. So I'm going to talk to you again about uh, some of those conditions. I'm going to be sharing an Old Testament story that is one of my favorites. Um, and I'm going to talk today about God's sovereign guidance, meaning he, when he guides us and we don't even know he's doing it. Now, I want to read a verse, Psalms 37, 23, and then I'm going to read Psalms 103, verse 19. Listen carefully what this says about God guiding us. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think that's you. Now, now look what it's saying now. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. So when I take a step, God's involved. He's guiding me. Now this has to do with, not only does he do it when we're aware of it, and and we are simply obeying him, and he's guiding us as we obey, but it's also when you position yourselves for God's guidance, he, he directs your steps when you don't even know he's doing it. He directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Now look at Psalms 103, verse 19. Here, it's talking about God being the boss. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Now read this last part with me. His sovereignty rules over all. That means he's the boss of the universe. Satan doesn't rule. Wicked men don't rule. God rules. He rules his sovereignty. That means he is, he is in charge of everything. And right now, history is racing toward the end of history as we have known it. And you know how history is going to end? History is going to end at the very feet of Jesus Christ. And God is right now working all things together by the counsel and for the counsel of his own will. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. And thank you that you are guiding your people. Lord, how we need your guidance. How we need your blessing. And we ask you, Lord, to guide us. We ask you to open our understanding to to hear this word, to see it, and to get it. And let it build our faith and strengthen us in our walk with you. Now breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, these two psalms tell us two really important things about God. First of all, that God is intimately involved in guiding his children. Now, can I tell you today that not everybody is God's child without offending somebody? See, not everybody is God's child. Every human being is God's creation. But not everybody is God's child. You must be born again to be God's child. And, but once you are born again and are his child, then God says, I'm going to direct your steps. I want to be intimately involved in your decision-making, where you go, where you turn, 
the decisions you make, the route you take, the paths you walk. I want to be involved in that. I want to guide you in that. I want to be your guide to the end of your days. God guides. So he's intimately involved, literally directing our steps. And then the second thing I see in these verses is he's in charge of our future. If he's sovereign over everything, then he's in charge of our future. He's in charge of our future. Now, in light of those things, we as believers ought to be praying, now, Lord, guide me. Guide me. I shared with you last week how we are to inquire of the Lord. We are to ask God for guidance. We're not to trust in the Lord, or we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding. And then in all of our ways, our paths, in all of our decision making, acknowledge Him. And He says, there and then, I will direct your path. I will guide you. Now, since God is sovereign over all things, let me tell you, what I don't believe in. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in luck. And I don't believe in karma. Amen? I don't believe in any of those things. I don't believe in good luck. I believe in good grace. Amen? But, but see, here's why we need guidance. Because we have the Bible as our instruction manual for living. When you become a child of God through Jesus Christ, you are given a book. A book that has within it 66 books. The Bible says of itself that it is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. It is literally the Word of God. It's unlike any other book in all the world. Now, I I love good books. I read good books all the time. I've always been a book lover. But but the Bible is not a normal book. The Bible is a God book. The Bible is a supernatural book. It is alive, and it's powerful, and it's sharp like a double-edged sword. It reveals our genuine intentions and motives. It guides us. Your word is a lamp to my feet and and a light unto my path. It is literally the God-breathed out word, and it is perfect. It's perfect. When I open up the Bible, I have an expectancy as I begin to read it that I don't have with any other book. Because I know that God's going to talk to me. I know that he's going to lead me. It is my instruction manual for living. But here's what you can't find in the Bible. You can't find a chapter and verse on who you're to marry. Amen? It's not there. It it does not say to you, hey, John, marry Sue. There's no verse in there for that. It doesn't tell you where to get a job. It doesn't tell you where to go to church. It, it, It can give us principles. It gives us overall principles on what to look for. But when it comes to certain decisions we make in life, we need present tense guidance from God... We need the Spirit to lead us. We need God to guide us in our decision-making. Yesterday, I was in a motorcycle shop. Oh, voices talked to me there. (laughs) Let me tell you, I had some voices talking to me there. And one voice said, go ahead, you deserve a break today. Uh, Or how how about a Harley today? No, I was just just looking. But, but But it occurred to me that if I decided or if I was even thinking about buying one of those bikes, I'm going to take that before God. And there's no chapter and verse, Jeff, buy that Harley. It's not there. No, you need to understand how to discern the guidance of God, how he leads, how he speaks, what he will lead us into and what he won't. 
And so today, as we look at the sovereign guidance of God, I'm going to show you how to position yourself so that you can assure that God is going to guide you into his will, even when you don't know he's ordering your steps. I want to remind you, God is invisible, but he's not absent. God's invisible, but he's not absent. Even though we can't see him, he's working every day to carry out his will in our life. He's ordering your steps. There is no more important thing than that you and I walk in the will of God, though we're not always aware of it. He's still ordering our steps. The steps of a good man are ordered, guided, directed by God, and he delights in our way. Now, let me just tell you that this does not mean that God, because God is guiding us, or the fact that he is, that we're not going to have heartbreaks, we're not going to have problems, we're not going to have struggles. We're not going to have some setbacks. We're not going to experience some pain. We're not going to have some disappointments. We're not going to have some, even some, some tragedies. Being guided by God does not promise us an endless rose garden. God doesn't promise that. It's like getting onto a jet. You're flying in a jet. The pilot promises to get you from point A to point B, from your departure to your arrival. But he can't promise there won't be turbulence, there won't be some trouble, there won't be some headwinds, that that you're not going to experience some storms. He doesn't say that. He just says, I'm going to get you from your departure to your destination. That I promise. And that is God. God has chosen not to shield us from some pain, from heartache. God has chosen not to put us in some insulated bubble where we don't experience trouble. But he has also chosen that whatever we go through, he's going to make it bow down and serve his purpose in our lives. He says uh, that the one who knows God and loves God, he's going to make everything work together for his purpose. So when heartbreak comes, he says that heartbreak bow to my purpose in their life. When tragedy comes, when setbacks come, when disillusionment comes, when disappointments come, when people wrong you, when people stab you, when people walk away, when things don't go your way, God is sovereign over all of that. And God says, I'm going to make that bow down and serve my purpose in your life. That's the promise. So I know that no matter what I go through, the hand of God is in it somehow, some way, whether I see it or not. And I'm going to come out on the other side stronger, better, brighter, tougher than before I went in. The Bible promises that the overall direction and outcome of my life is going to be sovereignly guided by him. Now I want to share with you an Old Testament story, one of my favorites. Uh, And I'm going to show you the sovereign guidance of God, how God guided a man, though he wasn't even fully aware of it. Now you have Abraham, and Abraham married Sarah. Sarah was the love of his life. When Sarah died, he remarried, but Sarah remained the love of his life. Now, the Bible says when Sarah died, that Abraham looked at his son and he said, well, the, the main woman in his life, his mother, is now gone, so it's time that he get married. So he called his chief servant and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I'm reading now out of Genesis 24, verse 4. Abraham said to the servant, he said, go to my country and to my family 
and find a wife for my son, Isaac. How many of you can say that is a big order? How many of you would like to be told that, hey, go find a wife for so-and-so? Some of you would love that. Some of you are matchmakers, uh, hopelessly. But, but, but here is this servant now, and, and he's handed this huge assignment. Abraham says, I want you to go to my country. He said, I want you to go to my family, and I want you to find a wife for my son. Well, if I'm the servant, I'm going, how am I going to pick out a wife for Isaac? Abraham continued, and he said, let me tell you something else. I don't want you to get a wife from the daughters of Canaan, because I don't want him to have an unbelieving wife. I want him to be married to a woman of faith, and so I want you to go to my family, and don't you dare take a wife for Isaac from amongst the Canaanites. So all the way back in the Old Testament, you see the principle where God is teaching his people, when you marry, don't marry somebody outside of the faith, because the day's going to come, you're, both, you're going to want to go to church, and they're not. You're going to want to take your kids to church, and they don't. That's free. That's not even in my notes. But Abraham also said to the servant, and here stands his chief servant, and Abraham says, you're going to go to my, my hometown, you're going to go to my country, you're going to go to my family, you're going to find a wife for Isaac, and then he said, this is a divine assignment, because you're going to have a supernatural presence going with you. He said, he, that is God, he will send his angel before you. So Abraham knows that whoever Isaac marries, it matters. It's got to be a woman of faith because this is the lineage out of which Christ came. So this has got to be right. This has got to be a good, wise decision. It's got to be a supernatural decision. It's got to be a God decision. So he said, I'm going to send my angel in front of you. God's going to send his angel in front of you. And so as you go, servant of mine, he's unnamed, so I'm just calling him the servant, As you go, servant of mine, just know that the angel of God is going before you. So there you have the promise of supernatural sovereign guidance. Now here's the servant. He says, wow, now this is an assignment. Now I want you to notice something. I want to unpack how God sovereignly led him and how he positioned himself For the kind of guidance we're talking about today. How many of you want to be guided by God? How many of you really want to be guided by God? You want your life to be lived out for God's glory. Can I see your hands again? You want God to use your life. Come on, everybody. All right, now, I want you to notice how this servant illustrates the way that we are to follow the Lord. First of all, I notice that he obeyed the light that he had. Keep in mind, God hadn't shown him the whole picture. He doesn't know who the woman's going to be. He doesn't know what she's going to look like. He's he's headed towards Nahor, the city of Nahor, but, but he doesn't know. I mean, there's a bunch of women in Nahor. All he knows is... Abraham is putting him in the, going in the right direction. You go to the city of Nahor. I think that was north. I'm not sure. Let's just say it was north. He said, go north. I want you to go north, go to the city of Nahor, and, and that's all you know. He didn't have, He had a very partial picture. He had a very fragmentary idea. All he knew was, I'm going to go to Nahor. Somehow, some way, God is going to show me who he has chosen to be Isaac's wife. So all he did was walk in the light that he had. He walked in the light that he had. Have you noticed sometimes, most of the time, that's the way God guides? 
He, he gives us enough light for the next step. And when we take that step, he gives light for the next step. And when we take that step, he gives light for the next step, and so on and so forth. Because God's guidance tends to be incremental, step by step, day by day, faith by faith, level by level, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. God guides in steps, not in miles. Come on. He rarely shows us the whole picture. He doesn't show us what's way far ahead. He just says, here's your next step. And I want you to take it. Like when we needed a building, we were over on Hewland and, and, and we were renting a place. And we needed a building because we had grown into two services and, and we had outgrown this place. But, but, and so I went to God in prayer and I said, God, what are we to do? And God said, give me enough light for the next step. He said, I want you to start looking. Well, that's all I knew. I wish I could tell you that I had had a dream with angels singing garden acres. But that didn't happen to me. I only had enough light for the next step. I knew, start looking. That's all the light that I had. So I called a commercial real estate agent and I said, hey, we need a building. And he, and I, he asked me what size and I told him. And I must have looked, guys, no kidding, I'm telling you the truth, at 20 to 30 different buildings. And every time, God said no, and God said no. So what was I doing? I was walking in the light that I had. I was going to my own city of Nahor. I was moving around the Fort Worth Metroplex. I was looking for a place, but, but it took a while. And I just had to walk in the light that I had. And one day, he called me, and he said, I think I found your building. And so he, came, he brought me out here and showed me this building right here. And the peace of God fell on me, and the peace of God said, this is it. So the light that I had got me this far. But then there was a problem. We didn't have enough money. How many of you know money matters? How many of you know you can't do most things without some money? Uh, we needed money to get into this building. So I just said, Lord, what are we going to do? And he gave me light for the next step. He said, talk to the owner. So I went in and I talked to the owner and I believed God for favor. And before I knew it, the owner cut us a deal where we were paying for this building almost the same amount we were paying for a little bitty place over on Hewland. And God opened the door. Everybody say, God opens doors. So, so I, I went from in the light that he gave me at first, then I went in the next light that he gave me, talked to the owner, and then we just stepped into this building and God made a way where there was no way, opened a door where there was no, no, no door. He guided us, he led us, he directed us. And a lot of it was sovereign. I was just walking around, walking by faith. But he was directing my steps. The Lord directs the steps of the godly, the verse says. Amen. Now here's a little thing I've learned. When you don't know what to do, do what you do know to do. When I don't know the next step, when I'm walking in the light that I've got, and, and, and I don't know what step to take next, this is what the servant did. He just knew what to do when he didn't ultimately know what to do. He knew a few things to do. He said, I will obey the voice of my master Abraham. He told me to go this way. He told me to come into this city. So I have gone the way he said. I've come to the city that he said. I've, I've done what I know to do. Now it's up to God. See, God's job is to give us enough light for the next step. Our job is to Take it. Take it. You take that next step. 
And then God gives more light and more light and more light and more light. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. Notice that verse. It's a lamp to your feet. His word is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. It doesn't show you way down the road. It just shows you enough for the next step. It's a lamp for my feet. It's a light to my path. That's the way God leads. So the servant first obeyed the light that he had. Now let me ask you a question today. Have you done the last thing God told you to do? Have you done the last thing God told you to do? So most of you are going, well, Jeff, I don't know. Because I'm not sure he told me to do anything. But see, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. God told you to do something. God gave you an assignment. So let me put it this way. Have you completed your last assignment, what God told you to do? See, when I was in college, God told me to go to school. That was the light that I had. So I went to school. I stepped into college. But then I encountered Spanish class. Now, you Spanish-speaking people, please forgive me. I don't mean anything by this. But me and Spanish did not get along. Because my mind is locked in English. And, and here I am, and I had to go through two years of Spanish to get my degree. Well, that made me mad. So you know what I did? In the name of Jesus, I dropped out. <laughs> and I told the school, I said, why in the world, with the degree that I'm getting, are you requiring me to learn Spanish? Two years of it, like it was some big sin. And, and, and they said, you don't like it? There's the door. I said, thank you. And I went through the door and I quit. I said, all right, Jesus, it's you and me. Let's take the world. I don't need that degree. But you know what I found? No door opened. No grace was there. And I kept saying, God, what is wrong? What is wrong? What is wrong? And finally he said, you didn't finish your last assignment. So I'm not going to take you forward until you do what I've already told you to do. Because if I take you forward when you have disobeyed me, then I am sanctioning your disobedience, and I can't do that. So he said, get back in school. And I said, but I don't like Spanish. Now, again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I don't like Spanish. He said, you can do it. It's your Goliath. Go find five smooth stones and get your sling of faith and get in there and whip that Goliath. So I went back into school, and man, me and, me and Spanish, we locked horns. And, and you know what? I ended up with a four-point in Spanish. I ended up with a four-point in college, and, 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 and I conquered that thing. And, and, and when I got out, doors began to open. Doors began to swing open because I had done what God told me to do. You've got to do, you've got to obey with the light that he's given you. And that's what the servant did. Amen. Think about it. Pray about it. Now, secondly, he positioned himself in the right place. When the servant got to Nahor, this is a city full of women. He's there to pick out a wife. How do you do that? So here's what he, here's what he did do. He said, well, here's what I do have. I have a brain. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to position myself where most of the women are. And the Bible says that he said to God... Behold, I stand by the well of water where the daughters of the men of the city come to draw water. He said, I'm going to go where the singles are. I'm going to go where the single women are. And I know that in this city, they all come out in the evening and they come to this well to draw water. So here's what he didn't do. He didn't go to Nahor and go off into some corner, go into the shadows, go hide in some cave and expect God to move. Listen, he positioned himself where faith and possibility could intersect. He positioned himself wisely. 
He didn't go off where it would have been virtually impossible for God to introduce him to anybody. He went where all the women were. He put him right where all the singles gathered, right where God could best answer his prayer. Folks, if you're seeking God's guidance and you're believing him for a certain thing, position yourself where faith and provision can most easily intersect. I mean, hello, that's just common sense. God, I'm going to go stand right where all the women are. I'm here to find a wife for Isaac. And so here's what I'm doing, Lord. I'm going to go right where they all are, and here's my prayer. He prayed this prayer. Lord, let the woman you have chosen, let her come to the well, and then let her not only offer me water, but also the camels. He had a whole bunch of camels with him. He said, he said let the woman that you have chosen not only help me, but help the camels. What was he looking for? He was looking for character. He was looking for a servant's heart. He was looking for a girl of character. Because, because somebody who says, oh, well, I see your camels are, are thirsty as well. That person is unselfish. That person is noticing the needs of somebody else. And that person is, is willing to serve in the lowliest of positions, giving water to camels so that you will be blessed. That's character. He was looking for character. When God leads you, he leads you to character. He leads you to something godly. He leads you to what is right. He leads you to what is sound. He leads you to what is biblical. Now, what I like about this is he's standing there and he's praying this prayer. He says, Lord, let the right woman not only offer me some water, but enough for my camels as well. And the Bible says, I love this, before he had finished speaking, Rebecca, Abraham's great niece, that's who she was, his great niece, stepped up to the well and onto the pages of history. And she said, oh, sure, I'll give you a drink and, and let me... Give your camels some water as well. He had a Holy Ghost buzz right there. Wow, I just prayed that prayer. And he stood there amazed at the hand of God. And so what I want you to notice is that when God leads us, when he guides us, the servant discovered, if I just walk in the light that I've got, and if I just put myself in, in the wisest position for God to move, then I'm going to discover that God went ahead of me, that he was waiting for me to arrive, that before I even departed my departure gate, he was waiting at my arrival gate. He was waiting for me to arrive and had my needs met before I even knew what I needed. He found out that God went ahead of him. God went ahead of him. In, in, in John 10, Jesus describes himself as our great shepherd. He said, I'm the shepherd of the sheep. And here's what he said about himself. When the shepherd leads them out, he goes before them. Now remember, Abraham had told the servant, the angel of God is going to go before you, in front of you, ahead of you. He's going to lead the way. He's going to get there before you do. He's going to prepare the way. He's going to make it ready for your arrival. He's going to be ahead of you. He's going to go before you. Jesus said, I do the same thing. Before you leave, I'm already there. I know the end of a thing before the beginning even begins. I know where you're going before you even leave to get there. 
and I know when you're going to arrive. And I'm going before you, and I'm going to make it ready for you so that when you get there, everything you are believing me for is there. My provision is waiting for you to arrive. Man, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. See, a, a real Middle Eastern shepherd, here's what he would do. He would have this, this, this flock of sheep. And here they are. They're looking at him. He's their shepherd. But he would leave the flock with, in the care of others, and he would go ahead of them when their grazing area had been all used up. He said, well, they're going to have to have another field, another grazing area. So he would leave them with, with people to take care of them, and then he would go ahead. He would go way ahead of them and find the next grazing area, and he would check it out. He would look for poisonous plants, which are always there, which the sheep would immediately eat and die. And he took the poison plants out. He checked the water to make sure it was clear. He looked for predators in the area. What's out here? Lions, bears, wolves? What's out here? And he would clear the area and make it ready for the arrival of the sheep who don't even know they're going to be there someday. And he would make this area ready. And that's what Jesus said he does. He goes ahead of us. This is what David meant when he said, he prepares a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. Don't you love it that, that, that God says, I'm going to prepare a table of blessing for you. I'm going to go ahead of you and make it ready for you. And then I'm going to come back and sovereignly lead you to what I just got ready for you. And when I get there with you and give it to you, the devil's going to have to watch. The devil's going to have to watch me bless you. The devil's going to have to watch me heal you. The devil's going to have to watch me take care of you and provide for you because there's nothing he can do about it. He can't stop God from opening your door. He can't stop the Lord from making a way where there is no way. He can't stop Jesus from healing you, restoring you, blessing you, delivering you, helping you, strengthening you, getting to your next level. He can't stop you. The Lord makes the devil sit there and watch. I love that. Amen. Grit his teeth and watch. He prepares a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. When he guides us to our next destination, he gets there before we do. Yeah. See, wherever you're going next, the Lord's already waiting at the arrival gate to say hello to you. Right. Amen. <clears throat> He's chosen every path. In every circumstance of your life. Now I'm going to say that again. God has chosen every path and circumstance of your life. He's totally sovereign over it. Let me read to you a mind-blowing verse. Psalms 139 verse 16. David said, you saw me before I was born. Stop right there. You saw me before I was born. Whether I was going to be blue-eyed, green-eyed, brown-eyed, hazel-eyed, brown hair, blonde hair, tall, short, you saw me before I was born. That's sovereignty. And you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. So you're in God's calendar book. And every day of your life, he's already got it scheduled. He already knows exactly. He saw you. Listen, let me, let me blow your mind. He saw you before the world began, sitting in turning point today, receiving the word of God, 
born again, walking with him, seeking him. He saw that. He doesn't inhabit time. He knows the end from the beginning. And the Bible says here that he scheduled every day of your life before you began to breathe. Every day was recorded in his book. Wow. That's why I tell you two things God never says. He never says, oops, because he never makes a mistake. And he never says, well, I'll be, because he's never surprised. You will never hear God say, oops, because he never makes a mistake. You will never hear him say, well, I'll be, because he already saw the end from the beginning. He already saw where you were going to land before you did. And he's already gone ahead of you into your future, waiting for you to arrive. He's sovereign over your life. Amen. Sovereign over your life. This is the great truth that helps us handle the pressures, the dangers, and the pitfalls of life. He's been there before me. And he's waiting for me. Even when you mess up. Simon Peter, bless his heart. I so love Simon Peter. He's so much like me and like you. Jesus said, you're all going to deny me. Not me, Lord. I'm never going to deny you. Uh, All these sissies might, but not me. I'm your man. I'm never going to do it. And Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, I'm already on the other side of your future. I already see exactly what you're going to do. And I want you to know that I'm going to be waiting for you on the other side of your crash. Because he said, Simon, you're going to deny me three times. And the third time, I'm going to look at you. And and, and you're going to crash and you're going to burn. But Simon, listen to this. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that when you crash and burn, you will be restored back to your faith. And when you have returned, that's exactly what he said. When you have returned, you will strengthen your brethren. Simon, I'm on the other side, not only of your successes, but your failures. And I'm going to help you when you fail. I'm going to stand you back on your feet, give you fresh vision, breathe fresh life into your soul. And and it's going to be you, Simon Peter, that preaches the first gospel message at the birthday of the church on the day of Pentecost, because I'm so good, Simon. Simon Peter, I love you so much. I'm never going to let the devil take you out of my hands. I'm going to pray you through to the other side. And you are going to glorify me. In hours. I don't know him. I don't know him. Blankety, blankety, blank. I don't know him. Third time, Jesus looking at him. He falls. He burns. He crashes. He leaves. He tries to return to his old life fishing. Jesus meets him on the seashore with a holy fish fry. Says, come here, Simon. He calls him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He's there to restore him back. You see, he was waiting on the other side when God sovereignly leads. And he always does. He knows exactly where you're going, where you're going to land, how you're going to land. And he's there for you on the other side. Can we stand together today? So to experience God's guidance, we walk in the light that we have. And then we stand in the right place. And then we expect that God's going to sovereignly guide us. And when we get to the destination, 
what we needed is going to be there. Amen? Amen. So let's lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today. The guide of our life. Can I just say to some of you, Jesus died on the cross so that we could experience the guidance of God over our life. Not only will he guide you into heaven when you go by way of the cross, but he will become your guide throughout life. Getting you to the right destinations, blessing you, growing you, fulfilling you, helping you. He'll be there. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Jeff, I don't know that I've ever been saved. If there's a question mark in your mind about it, then you probably haven't been. So I just want to, I want to just salt and pepper this ending with that mention of the cross. Because the cross is where God's guidance over your life begins. Right there. That's ground zero. That's the place. So in a moment, we're just going to pray together as a church body. But then I want to pray with people who can say, you know, I think I need to come to Jesus. And I invite you to do it. You can do it today. You can have the greatest miracle available to mankind happen in your heart today. So church, as we lift our hands to him, say with me, Lord, guide me. I walk in the light that I have. Help me to finish my assignments. Help me to inquire of you over every decision. And thank you, Lord. You're waiting on the other side with what I need. Now, if you've got a question mark about your salvation, please pray this with me. Do it right now. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And you can pray it right now, right where you are, to say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I repent. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed, say, Jeff, I prayed with you. I prayed that prayer. Most important prayer of your life. Would you slip your hand up where you are? Just slip it up. I see you. Bless you. And here, anywhere else. Amen. Several people. God bless you. Uh, I'm closing this service in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you, as soon as we're done, I want you to come down. Many did last week. I want you to come down and just say, I prayed with you, Jeff. You need to do it. You need to tell somebody, and I want to meet you, and I want to give you something to take home with you. And so I invite you to do it. Please come. Don't go out that way. Come this way. Roast won't burn. If, whoever you're with, they'll wait for you. Amen? All right. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen? Amen.